Welcome, boys and girls, ladies and gents, to your Buddy John Show, episode number nine. Hey, it's been a while. I'm sorry about that. It's been about almost two months since our last podcast. Uh, reason for that is I was focusing on getting my new album released, and it finally came out on October 2nd. It's called You Are Here. Very proud of it, and um, it's available on all the streaming platforms. If you're like me and you prefer a physical CD copy, you can go to johnmuellermusic.com and click on Shop, and uh, you can get it there. And uh, it's great artwork. It really came out cool. I'm really, uh, really pleased with the whole album, actually. Well, my next guests are from our Winter Dance Party show, and they're a big part of it. And uh, I'm surprised it took me this long to get them on the show, but <laughs> I just uh, thought this would be a good time since we're not touring. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I know they have a lot of good stories and uh, some background info on them as well that um, I probably don't know as well. So it'll be fun for me to hear it as well. Anyway, let's get to it. Please welcome to the show my good buddies, Ray Anthony and Linwood Sasser from the Winter Dance Party Show. Welcome, guys. How does this much time off make you feel? I mean, we we last did our shows in March. <laughs> yeah. To be honest with you, it sucks. Yeah, it really does. It, uh, it Does it kind of give you a glimpse into the future of like what retirement looks like? Or I mean, what do you, uh, what do you miss most about this much time off? The travel, the audiences performing or income? Well, I mean, I, you know, getting away, yeah. getting, <laughs> just getting away, John. Uh, you know, it, it, it was, you can spend too much time, even with the ones you love. Uh, it's like, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if I'd want to be around you guys all the time, but I, you know, I like, uh, I like going out on the road with you. Yeah. I agree. Yes. I, I do miss the traveling, you know, we're, we're so lucky to, to do what we do. Uh, we get to see the world. Yeah you know, as a, as a leisure for us, um, and work, well, we don't call it work. We call it, uh, play, I guess, uh, as we say in our business, it's play. I miss it. I miss it, man. I, you know, I guess I said, we're just very lucky to, to, to travel and see the world where most people that I'm finding out will never ever in their lifetime get to go and do things that we've done and see places that we've seen. Yeah, it's true. Know? Yeah, it's true. I, I don't. I I, uh, I kind of have not missed you know checking in at the airport. That's always not, not very fun. But um, I do miss. Uh, I I just miss seeing our fans and the audiences and the reactions and the being on stage and and then just like you know finding the good coffee place in the city that we're we're at that we've never been to before. You know, just st little stuff like that. Or, uh, checking out the town. I really miss all that stuff. And, um, it's just, uh, and then, you know, it's like, it, the weird thing to me was like during this whole virus thing, I couldn't, you can't really travel. <laughs> right now. So even if I wanted to, you know what, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Italy this year. I want to go, you can't do any of that right now. So it's well, like, right. well, no, you can't go to Europe and, and definitely not. No. You know? <laughs> you know? And, uh, if, I don't yeah. know if you guys have been watching the news at all, but, uh, uh, Europe is spiking again, so it's definitely out. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's going to be a long time for that <clears throat> dream for me to go to Italy or Spain, some of these other places I've wanted to go to. But oh well, I just hope uh, I hope this uh, 
hope there's some semblance of normalcy soon. I mean, what what would what if this? Let's say like every year from now on, the rest of our lives there was some kind of a pandemic. I mean, what would you yeah. uh, what would you concentrate on or, or or do to not go crazy? Go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, golly, you know, I haven't even I haven't thought about that, but it kind of dovetails in with the uh, what are you going to do? Uh, retired. You know, I, yeah. I guess, uh, you know, I used to, I used to be an artist. I used to draw, draw quite a bit. And, uh, I guess I might try to get back into that and, uh, modernize my methods and, uh, you know, uh, buy a, a, what, an artist type, uh, tablet so I could uh, draw digitally. Uh, Alan, you mean? Uh, no, I don't know what they call them, but I, I want to say it's a tablet expressly for artists so that you can. Uh, and, you know, the various programmings that go with it. I, I think pros use that now instead of drawing on paper. They actually. Uh, sure. Because you, yeah. you can erase it and then just start all over. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. called an iPad. <laughs> what about you? What about you, Ray? What would you do, Ray? I don't know. I just music is my thing. So all I do is just, you know, sit here and create my my brain's always going. Yeah. Music, you know, I used to do art, too. I, you guys probably don't know this, but yeah, I did a. Uh, art stuff way back in the days to do uh, magic for kids and all that stuff. And I don't, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't think about that. I just, I know all I know is music. I can't see myself retiring. What do you retire and do? <laughs> uh, as soon as they market a, as soon as they market a hazmat suit that uh, you can wear like, like a face mask, and uh, you know you can uh, you can perform behind a plexiglass shield. This yeah, crazy. it's crazy. It's crazy. Hopefully, we'll get back to normalcy, like you say, John. Soon. Yeah, I so. hope so too. Um, I'm just concerned um, about this winter. Really, I know. Um, I just had another cancellation yesterday about some venue in March. And Gee, uh, that far out, huh? Wow. Yeah, I think uh, some of these uh, performing arts centers are just thinking uh, of wiping out their entire 2021 season. Like um, we were booked at Cerritos Center in Cerritos, California, mm -hmm. and that was that was supposed to be in March this year. And they told us three months ago yeah. that they're canceling their entire season. I, I, it's just like, how did they know in advance? Well, maybe they aren't getting the advanced ticket sales for their uh, subscriptions, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm at here, there's a place called the Van Wazel Center over in Sarasota, and uh, they have uh, canceled their their season, of course, this year going into next year. And I guess they're going to be offering virtual concerts <laughs> to subscribe. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, I yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, but yeah, I guess um, to to me the virtual uh, virtual performances to me have a limited lifespan. Like I think the initial, okay, this is all I have as an audience member to see something is, was, was, it was better than nothing for them. But after a while, I'd imagine it wouldn't be as intriguing or as uh, desirable as a live performance. It just doesn't seem sustainable to me, but I could be wrong. And maybe this is the future of performances. I don't know. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I tend to discount a bit. Maybe there's, well, it's not like we appeal to the current generation, but maybe there is a generation of people 
uh, raised uh, on, you know, YouTube and all that, that will watch a live performance on YouTube and think it's just great. You know? Yeah. I don't exactly. Exactly. That's not me. <laughs> you know, but no. that's like, that's like going on a date and you're sitting, you know, one girl's in, in another country and you're in another country. Well, that's a great date. <laughs> hey, that's not a, that's a cheap day. That's not bad. Yeah, well, it's true. Yeah. yeah but you got to send your credit well, card and pay for it. Yeah. Well, she might ask you to Venmo, Venmo some money to her for the uh, bill. That's, good. <laughs> that's right. Well, that, that might be the way we're going, man. That's crazy. <laughs> well, let's talk about good times now. What um, okay. what's been some of your what's been some of your favorite moments of uh, winter dance party? Do you remember any uh, funny or favorite stories of yours? That uh, why don't you go first, Linwood? Ah, okay. Uh, well, one that springs to mind is the time that we did. Um, oh gosh, the surf ballroom. It was uh, I think the first time I had actually done the surf and. Uh, Frankie Avalon was there. He was the headliner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I got to meet Frankie Avalon, who, uh, you know, not only a singer, but, you know, big movie star in the day and uh, a super nice guy. And I remember one uh, moment, it was also, of course, snowing, as it does. And uh, I was off uh, scraping the windshield of uh, one of our vehicles and um, Frankie Avalon uh, was coming back from the surf. I guess he'd done a sound check or something. And he sees me scraping off the window. And I look at him and I go, that's why I don't quit showbiz. The glamour. Or <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> I remember that night. It was uh, horribly snowing and uh, lots of ice. And I think I fell in my keister a couple of times. Oh, yeah. But, um, Great surf. How about you, Ray? What are some of your favorite? Uh, well, there's you know, been funny, funny things throughout the year. I mean, we've been doing this for what, what, 20 years now. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to believe. Years. There's so many. I remember the very, very first time that when I joined the show, <clears throat> we were, uh, you picked me up in Chicago. Yeah. It was in Chicago and George was still with us. Um, I remember we pulled over and we were w- waiting for Bopper to pick him up. Yeah. Um, and we sat in the, uh, in the passenger pickup, I guess, or whatever. And uh, I was sitting there with George and I, I, I don't know why, but I had, I think my flip flops I still had on. It was still nice out or something. And um, George and I looked over to the right and there was this limousine. It was like three lanes or four lanes over. Um, and this limo had pulled up and was putting the passengers in the back seat of the car. And I looked over to the right and George is with me and we're looking at this car and he's going, look at that car. The driver just came out of the car and it's still moving. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Do you remember that? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The car was still moving. Go ahead, John. You tell him. You probably, you know. No, you, you. Ray was like Superman. He jumped out of the car immediately. I don't know how he did it in his flip flops, but he jumps out of our car and he's chasing his limo down the airport street. And he jumps in and puts the car in park like in a lickety split. It was amazing. He he prevented a major major disaster. It was so, amazing. Wow. So here's what happened. And after I got in the car, 
put my foot on the brake, of course, and, and put it in the park. I turn around. There's three kids sitting in the back seat of the car. Oh, my God. I forgot oh, about that. You forgot about that. Yeah. So what happened was, uh, so I, I put the car in park. I get out of the car. I go around to the back of the car, and the limo driver is there with the passenger, the lady or the, uh, the guy, putting the luggage in the trunk, and she's beating on him. And you think they'd turn around and say, thank you for saving our kids. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I remember that. <laughs> I come over and George goes, Ray, what happened, man? I said, nothing. They didn't even say thank you. He's like, what? <laughs> you know, George, he, he he gets all excited, you know. So yeah, but uh, that's that's one thing that happened. I remember one time, you know, you, you talked about going through the airports. You don't miss doing that and checking in and going through security and all that good stuff, right? Right. You know, and for those people that are listening that are out there that knew Bopper Junior, I mean, he was a character. You know, he, there was oh, always yeah. something funny that he would say or do, and. He would do it with a serious face, but he was laughing inside. We knew that, you know. We yeah. always, we always kid around. We, we're never that serious in this in this business. You can't be, you know. And uh, I remember just going through the airport many times with him, and going through security, and you know, where they they scan you with the one back back in the day. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. Uh, he always wore shorts. It didn't matter if it was 30, 40 degrees outside. He wore shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> That's right. And he never wore a belt. So every time we'd walk through, they'd have him raise his hand up so his pants would fall down all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is all Jewish. And I would sit there and just laugh my head off, man. It was so funny. <clears throat> there's, there's, uh, there's so many things. Is we, You know, you really have to sit and think back and, and just just do you remember the time when Jamie was driving um it was a winter time we were doing our winter tour yeah Jamie was in the truck and George with him was with him and uh they were driving down the road and and Jamie uh, for those people that didn't know Jamie came out of California and he brought all the sound system and backline and amp. he brought everything in that truck and sometimes one of us either Mike or sax player or uh, George or guitar player would ride with him. So uh, this one time it was, it was snowing out. I mean, you know, knock on wood, we 20 years we've been doing this 20 something years that we've been going up every, every year, uh, January, February, March in the winter time. And we have been blessed that we have not really, really, hit snow every time we've been up there right john yeah that's yeah we've, i think we only got snowed out like one time or something yeah. right and, and we were able to adapt so yeah yeah yes. yeah and um so this one time uh, they were driving and jamie's driving and all of a sudden he sees the trailer pulling out in front of him <laughs> he was his trailer was going sideways while it's his side car was <laughs> you remember yeah and george was in the back and Boy, I tell you what, George. When we got to our hotel or whatever, George says, "I'm never ever riding with him again." He was sitting there patting his <laughs> patting his leg, just freaking out. You know, <laughs> just to stop. Uh, those are those are good times, man. You know? I think one of my favorite stories was um, we had a show booked in uh, Las Vegas, New Mexico, which is not to be confused with Las Vegas, Nevada, by any. <laughs> shake of the stick but uh sure. uh we played we stayed at the hotel that uh that movie um 
No Country for Old Men was shot at. Right. That oh, scene with Woody Harrelson. Yeah. 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 Really, uh, really um, old hotel that was um, haunted. Okay. It had a history of uh, having a haunted uh, situation, like ghost or whatever. And uh, as you guys know, our our bass player Ed Maxwell is is a little uh, he's a little <laughs> frightful of ghosts, shall we say? He's a little suspicious about. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he's yeah, he's he's uh, superstitious about all that stuff. And anyway, um, so we're checking in to this hotel, and. Uh, you know, it had some signs there in the lobby, like uh, haunted hotel or whatever. And <laughs> well, there was three. Ed, there was three floors in the hotel. Yeah, there was three floors, and Ed Ed asked the check-in lady, he's like, uh, "Hey, um, I, I hear this uh, this uh, hotel is haunted. What 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 room is it?" And uh, she says, "Oh, that's that's room two thirty seven. And he looks down at his key, and it was two thirty seven. And he goes, uh, oh, "Do you uh, do you have any other room available?" And the lady's like, "No, it, we're all sold out." <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So he got yeah. the uh, he got the ghost room, the haunted room, and uh, he kind of like. <laughs> walked off mumbling off to his room, you know, not very happy. And, um, as soon as he got into his room, I, uh, this is going to sound horrible, but I went upstairs and there it was, a, there was a hallway in front of our rooms on this floor. It was right. like, there was furniture out there, like a small couch and chairs and a, you know, a little coffee table, that kind right. of thing. Yeah. So when Ed was in his room, I put all that stuff close to his door. I moved it away from the, where it was out in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> I put it in front of his door so when he would open his door he would all this stuff would be in front of his door like a ghost had moved it or something so uh i went downstairs to uh the bar to get some food as we all do after we check in it seems like and uh yeah i got a story about that one too yeah he comes down about he comes down about 15 minutes later and uh <laughs> He was had this like pale look on his face, and he said, uh, "Which one of you guys? Uh, which one of you guys put uh, furniture in front of my door?" And we just we all looked at him like, "What are you talking about, man?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Bopper uh, Bopper just burst out laughing because I had told him prior what, had, uh-huh. what was going on and that <laughs> we all just burst out laughing and then but then he told me the next day he said he uh he felt something in the room he said uh he slept with the lights on because he was scared of this <laughs> ghost as he Ed slept, would yes yeah and <laughs> he slept with the lights on he said he felt felt something crawling over his body or something and he told it to f off is what he said <laughs> <laughs> john I, I may be wrong but I remember when we pulled up to this place, I mean, it was a nice, neat little town, and the weather was beautiful outside, and everything was fantastic. And then, uh, you know, you could you didn't have to wear your coat outside. And then we woke up the next morning, there was like six inches of snow. Yeah, you remember right. that? And yeah, they had I do. No plows, no shovels, nothing, nothing yep. in this place. Yeah. And, uh, that restaurant was, was uh, I, I had a quesadilla, I remember this. I'll never forget it. I had a cheese quesadilla, and you know I don't really eat cheese that much anymore, thanks to you. And um, <laughs> uh, 
boy, I, I tell you what, that uh, quesadilla did not sit uh, well with me. <laughs> are, are, Ray, are you claiming that the quesadilla was haunted? Uh, it might have been, yeah. <laughs> it was haunting my belly, I'll tell you that much. Road food. Well, one of Road the, food. One of the- Road food is the worst sometimes. I, one of the stories I or jokes I'll do in the show sometime was actually true. When we were uh, we were heading to a gig and we stopped in Muleshoe, Texas, and the cafe uh, it was one of those roadside cafes, and they had tacos on the menu. And I asked the waitress, you know, at that time I don't think I was eating red meat or something, so I asked her like, okay, what what are they what are they putting in the tacos? Like what what's inside them? And she she walked walked away from me like I was crazy and said, "I'll have to ask a chef." <laughs> and, then, and then she comes back in a couple of minutes. C- comes back in a couple of minutes and said, "He thinks it's beef." <laughs> I'm like, "He thinks it's beef." I'm uh, okay. I'll order something else. You know. Yeah, that's. But uh, as road food is, uh, yeah, it's it's that's why it's great to uh, talk to people that we know in the in the town and ask them where the where the places are that are good to eat. That's always helpful. Linwood's been like the Yelp guy for us. Like we're driving along and Linwood, you've always been great at um, checking out some places on Yelp for us. I, I, the Yelp thing has been great because it, uh, usually it we- has. It has. You go to small towns that have never heard of Yelp. So, or the Yelp's not operating. Yeah, that's true. And then people that's uh, true, that's direct true. in uh, restaurants and they go, oh, you know, uh, well, there's McDonald's and... Uh, yeah, isn't that isn't that the worst thing though? When we get when we get done our show, and we just want to go out. Especially most of the time, we don't have um, leisure time after sound check to go do dinner. Yeah, you know? yeah. we have to run back and get to the hotel, and either it's a, it's other it's a choice of eating crappy food real quick or taking a nap. Then you got to get up, get ready, get out to the venue. Uh, do our thing. When we get done, go outside, say hello to people, do the CDs, uh, blah, 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 blah. And when we get done, especially in these little towns, everything's closed. Yeah, that's the, that's always been a challenge. Like, what are we, we're so always so hungry after the show. And then you don't, you don't want to eat too late, but it's like, there's nothing open. <laughs> right. And uh, so now some of the guys, some of the guys in the band have taken to uh, storing away food from the meal backstage before the show and, and putting little, uh, you know, notes, little, little hordes of food aside for later on, I guess, you know, what are you going to do? Well, Mike Starr, Mike Starr definitely does that. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Starr for sure. For sure. Hey, when we were super busy, um, how did it, uh, how did it affect your personal life? Like your spouses and stuff. I know, uh, when I was married, uh, from what 2010 to 14 um it definitely did not do any good <laughs> it definitely didn't help the marriage whatsoever to be uh to be gone a lot i mean in one respect it was kind of fun because uh it always felt like a new relationship every time i came back but it was very hard on the relationship and uh, how about you guys has it been a good thing or or challenging well i think i already touched on it that i i do need time away uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah from the um, and one thing I learned is that even even if you don't have anything to talk about, you need to call your wife, you know, probably about every day in. or at least every other day. You know? so, yeah. 
talk on the phone a lot. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I probably didn't do that enough. Ray's in the backseat calling. Uh, it seems like you call his girlfriend or wife like every 15 minutes, it seemed like. Well, it's my, my daughter calls me, my son is calling me, and yeah. you know, my I'm pretty close with my family, so you know, we always check in, let let us let everybody know what's going on, and you know, it it, it is what it is. Some people like that, some people don't like it. Sometimes I'll just tell them leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that with love too. You know, they, they understand. <laughs> they understand my. You know, if, if my at the time my, my wife, if she would call or whatever, and and she knew we were traveling, and and um, you know, we you know when we're driving, nobody wants to listen to your conversation in the car. You know, if it can wait, let's just wait till we get our rooms and yeah. go ahead and talk. Because I like, you know, we don't even talk half the time and and when we're driving, right? We That's just, right. We listen right. to the radio or or mics listen to the radio. Back, you know. <laughs> yeah you know he, he puts himself to sleep at night and puts himself to sleep in the morning and in the afternoon and you know you met you met one of your wives uh at a, one of our shows in chicago is that right ray With, yes didn't you meet? yes yeah it's funny i when we met um i uh it, it wasn't a thing i was looking to, to to for somebody you know it was just uh we just happened to meet and we just started talking and she brought her mom to the show that's what it was Oh, okay. And they just love the music. And, you know, still today, they still love that kind of music, you know, as we all do. And uh, it just went on from then. It was it was a good relationship, you know. Good deal. Good deal. So, so let's uh, let's talk about uh, a little bit about each of you guys' uh, history. Uh, Ray, you were um, you were born in Trinidad. Is that correct? Correct. Weren't you raised in Canada, though? Yeah. Um, so when, when, when did that happen? Well, we, uh, when I was a little bitty boy, uh, well, my mom and dad is, you know, of course, we're all from Trinidad. My mom and dad went to New York City, uh, lived there for a while and worked, and they used to send money home to Trinidad. And they know, wanted to, uh, were they going to bring the family to New York City? Well, it, I guess it was in the thought, and they, well, it, what happens? They eventually came back home. And they uh, they made some money, came back home, and opened up a business. We had a bar and a restaurant in, in Trinidad. Trinidad. In Trinidad, yeah. Oh wow! And we um we lived in a a little town called Faisalabad, and uh, it was great, man. My my mom ran that whole thing. My dad ran the bar, and so forth and so forth. And and um, that's actually where I started listening to music because we had a jukebox. Ah, okay. Yeah, my yeah. uncle used to send all the top hits from New York um, on records and he would mail them to Trinidad and we would be the, one of the first ones in Trinidad to have the the top hits in our jukebox. So oh, that's a lot of cool. People, yeah, so a lot of people would come over just to our bar to play the jukebox to hear those new songs, you know? And yeah. uh, so we did that for a while and then... Um, uh, I'm trying to think here. We sold, we left the business and came to Canada to visit with my sister. Okay. And then my dad started talking about maybe moving to Canada. And um, so it was in the works. We were at my sister's um, talking about moving. And then my grandfather passed away. Mm. So we went back to Trinidad and 
stayed uh, with the business and did our thing. And I went to school and so forth and so forth. So um, I think I'm thinking around when I was 10 years old, we moved to Canada. We officially sold the business. My grandfather had passed. And so we uh, we came to Trin- um, to Canada. This and is like Toronto, Toronto area, Toronto area. Yeah. So wait, you, you said your sister was already there. How old was your sister and how did she get to Canada? Well, my older sister, she was my older sister. She, she's been, she was, she lived in St. Croix and she lived, uh, her, she was married with my, um, and lived in Canada. They had two kids that, you know, she, she was living there for a while. So she, she kind of set uh, the roots, or so to speak, for your, the rest of your family to, to kind of migrate there. Is correct, that correct? Correct. Yeah. My okay. uncle was still in New York. Now, um, at, when, you're, when, you're, when you're 10 years old around this time, were you, um, uh, were you taking guitar lessons or, were, or had somebody given you a guitar or, or when did that start? Uh, well, I, I, I got kind of interested in the guitar. Um, I, I just like listening to music. I like listening to records. My mom, and dad, they played all the records, man. My dad played yeah. uh, Frank Sinatra and, and Perry Como and and all the older guys. And my mom, she was the one that liked Elvis and Buddy Holly and and the the ups the the, the little up tempo stuff, you know. So I, I that's how I, my music got interested. And I don't know. One day I decided I'm going to try to learn to play the guitar because I loved Elvis, you know. Right. And I just kind of try try to teach myself. I did go take uh, about three guitar lessons, and um, I went. And my mom said, "Okay, you want to learn? I want to take you to to learn guitar lessons." And then I got there, and the guy was trying to teach me to play "Mary Had a Little Lamb" or "Twinkle Star" or something like that. And I said, "Man, I don't want to do this. I want to. I want to play rock and roll guitar." I wanted to rock, you know, so <laughs> I went home and I taught myself. Oh, great. I taught myself to play. I, whenever I saw somebody playing, I didn't, I wasn't scared. I'd go up and say, hey, how do you play that? Show me how to do this. Yeah, um, yeah. And then a few years went on later. Now, my next door neighbor, um, they, the two girls, they have two sets of twins. And these girls were into music at, at one time. And so was their mom. And uh, they had a bass guitar, they had an acoustic guitar, they had a drum kit. And because of those people, their instruments, they let me bring it home to my house, which is right next door, in my little bitty room. And I had a drum kit set up in there. I started, I got into the drums because I started listening to the Beatles. Yeah. And I got into this whole Ringo Starr thing. And I thought, oh, man, I want to play drums like Ringo Starr. So that's all I did for the longest time. And in between that, I would pick up the guitar, you know, and try to teach myself or learn something else on the guitar. And and I just kept doing that. And I remember going to sleep, falling to sleep at night with my guitar lying on me and trying to finger these chords in the dark. Wow. So I don't have to look, you know, so I can f- just feel just by feel. And yeah. that's that's how it stemmed. And in high school, I met this... Uh, I was on the track and field team competing for uh, my town, Scarborough, in which, which we won all kinds of awards in track and field and relays and long jump and high jump and all that. And uh, I met this one uh, friend of mine. He was actually, we competed against each other, and he played guitar, and he played that Chuck Berry stuff. He knew how yeah. to do that Chuck Berry intro, and, you, you know, that, that riff, that, that 
Chuck really sure. played on the piano. And, yeah. and, and that's, and then I just progressed from there. And it just hmm. went on. So, and I'm still cool. learning today. So, and Ray, uh, yes. when did you start growing your hair long? In high school. I'm in high school. My hair's growing long. It looks terrible. It looks, it's, it's just, you know, it's long and straight. And I'm part Chinese. And so I have that part Chinese straight hair. Oh. And my mom used to say to me all the time, you, you know, that hair looks terrible. It looks terrible. I said, well, what's wrong with it? She goes, you need to do something with it. I said, well, what? She said, let me put a wave in it or something so we'll make it fuller so it's not sitting so flat. And at that time, I was getting into Kiss, mm-hmm. you know, the rock band Kiss. <laughs> and I love Paul Stanley's hair. So I said to her, I said, well, my hair's long, so can you do that to my hair? She said, yeah. So now this is the time I'm a young kid. You know, you're in high school. We all do this. You're looking at girls. You're looking at this one. You're looking at that one thinking, man, man, I'd sure like to be with this girl. I wish she'd be my girlfriend. And the girl <laughs> wouldn't give you the time of day. She wouldn't give wow. you the time of day. You know what I'm saying? So, so my, my mom did my hair. So I go to school the next day and the day after that, and my hair's looking nice. I'm thinking, this is looking cool. You won't believe the same girls would come up and just start talking to you just with the hair. Based on the looks, huh? How shallow, how shallow. I had, no, I was a nice guy after they found out, you know, oh, I should have talked to you before. Man, I had the (laughs) hottest girl in school. We all, we both had the same hair. (laughs) That's funny. Those Do you remember, the days. Uh, that was a, well, that's a long time ago, man. Do you remember your very first uh, paid gig that you actually had as a musician? Um, I wow. Was it at a bar or a restaurant or uh, or is it at? Uh, it was like a, a, um. You know, here's what happened. I'm in school. I got out of school. I saw an ad in the paper. Okay, I saw an ad for the paper. They were because I was in the Elvis. This guy was looking for a guitar player to play in an Elvis show. Oh, he was from a place called Peterborough, Ontario, and his name is Clint Williams. And um, so I talked to him on the phone. He did not even hear me play the guitar. The way we talked and the way I explained things to him, what I do, and because I love James Burton and Scotty Moore and stuff, he hired me right on the spot. So wow. I drove, I told my mom, I said, okay, I'm going to Peterborough. It was like, I think two and a half hours away from, um, from Toronto where I lived in Scarborough. And uh, she said, you know, my mom's very, very um, paranoid, very protective. She said, you can't go. You don't even know who these people are. You can't just take off and go and stay at some stranger's place. And so I, you know, I'm, mom, it's okay. It's okay. I can go. I'll be fine. If anything happens, I'll come home. So she's all worried. So anyways, that was my very beginning. I went and rehearsed with this guy, and we went and played in some tavern somewhere, and we did some Elvis show, and that was the beginning of it. Cool. How did you get hooked up with uh, Legends in Concert in Las Vegas? Because that's uh, you were there for a, quite a while, right? Yeah. Um, geez, between uh, well, between our show, Winter Dance Party, and Legends, I was there for about 15 years, I think. You were yeah. legends for fifteen years. I think so. Yeah, long before were, I, well, long before I met you. Way you were working. You worked at Legends in Concert for fifteen years. I think so. Wow. <laughs> wow. 
I um, that's in- incredible. Well, a long time. So it, well, yeah, you know, they, they were going for for the longest time. I was in Vegas for many years too. I was in that Imperial Palace, and we did that show for a long time. I, I did Atlantic City, I did Branson, we did Myrtle Beach, and I would just bounce back and forth between all those venues. You know? And that's where you met uh, wife uh, number two, Marie Claire. At. Is that right? Yes. No. Was she a bat? No. Three. <laughs> three. Wife number three. Okay. Was she a? Uh, was she a? It didn't last uh, very long, but and, <laughs> and, and we were cool with that. She was. She was pretty cool. So. And was that, she? Yeah. Uh, was she a background singer in the show? Or, yeah, or she dancer? was a she was a singer dancer, uh, in Branson, Missouri. Oh, okay. Yeah, I met her there. And uh, and that was that. We got together for a while, and she she would go off and do her thing, and she did the cruise ships, also with legends and different uh, shows and so forth and so forth. And uh, and um, and then she, I was in Vegas, of course, and she got done her shows, and then she um, she came to Vegas uh, with me. And she very nice, very nice. Too. So it's fun, man. We had a we had a good time. I mean. Uh, you know, and then there was a lady by the name of B. Fogelman. You remember her, John? Yeah, I do. And um, so while I'm working for Legends at the Imperial Palace in Vegas, she used to do an article. Um, and she had this newspaper. And once in a while, she was always she would always contact me, or she'd send me an email, and she'd say, "Have you heard of John Mueller?" And I'd say, "No." Um. So she would always say, you need to get a hold of him. You need to get a hold of him. And um, I think a year went on. I mean, I was working, so I wasn't worried about, you know, I was, you know, I was pretty yeah. secure in legends. And um, and uh, uh, so she, you know, eventually, I think I, I sent you an email, right? And we, we got in contact. Yeah, he sent me an email and said you were um, kind of getting tired of the, uh, you know, the, 10 minutes that you had at legends that doing the same songs all the time. And you were looking for something a little more creative. And, um, at this time, this was pre like pre YouTube and all that, wasn't it? I mean, Oh yeah. Yeah. So I said, can you have, can you send me a videotape or something? Cause I can't just hire you based upon you talking to you on the phone. I have no idea what you sound like or look like or whatever. Into a job. <laughs> yeah. he tried he tried uh, yeah. he tried yeah well what i said no i gotta see video i gotta see video so he finally finally sent me some video it took you a while though, like three weeks or something though. yeah well you see you gotta understand when you're working with legends in concert you, you know they weren't allowed you're in vegas so no video yeah, tape was allowed no recording and so forth and so forth so uh i um our projection guy i mean i was pretty tight with him and I gave him my video camera. I said, look, you need to get up there and you need to videotape my show for me. He said, all right, dude, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so he was great. He went up and he, he snuck the camera in and he, he videotaped it for me. And I went, great. So and that's the, the tape that I sent you. Yeah, that was great because it really uh, sealed the deal for me. So um, that yeah, was cool. That was um, 20 years ago, right? Yeah, amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. I remember um, talking to your brother, and he said, uh, "When you saw the video, or he saw the video with you, right? I think George yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or he, I showed it to him. Yeah, you showed it to him. Yeah, and he told you right away. He goes, What are you doing? He just, did just, did you hire this guy yet? Sign him now.' <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah. Well, it was. Uh, there wasn't. Uh, I'd worked with 
a couple of other Richie Valen uh, performers, but they were from the Buddy the Buddy Holly story musical that I did, and none of them, none of them actually played guitar. So this was it was great when uh, I saw your Ray's tape that he actually sang and played guitar too. So that was awesome. But, well, and of course Ray was unique in the fact that he sounded like Richie Valens, but he looked like Lou Diamond Phillips, and that film. Was <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the whole thing started. You asked me how I started with Legends. Um, I don't want to go on, on and on and on about this, but this is a, we started up a, a Legends type show in Canada. Okay. I, I knew an Elvis guy, and he knew a, a producer guy or whatever, and he had a, a Roy Orbison and um, a Patsy Klein. So we started in Canada doing this big Legends uh type thing and uh eventually i joined um i joined a show uh called rock and roll heaven um which is kind of take of ricky nelson and roy orbison of 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 all the rock stars that have passed on and so forth you know and then uh john stewart from ledges in concert heard about the show and they were coming to toronto to put a legend show together so i saw you there that's um yeah, so he had called me. Actually, you know what? Tell you the truth, I don't think he even saw me. He never saw me in the show. He heard about me through friends, mm. through other people that worked that I knew from him, and he just went on their word and hired me. Well, wow. what happened was he called me up and he said, hey, this is Johnny Stewart. I want to put you on my show. Can you start next month? I said, no, I'm in a show. I'm not going to leave the show. <laughs> he goes, well, yeah, but this is, this is, this is Legends in Concert. I said, so? I said, I'm not going to do that. I, I, I got to honor my contract with this guy. Anyways, I said, look, when my contract's done, I'll give you a call. If you're still going and you're interested in hiring me, I'll, I'll, I'll jump on board. <laughs> so, Because I said to him, I said, look, if I'm in your show and some producer calls me and asks me to jump ship, and leave you cold. How would you like it? Well, I guess you got a point there. I said, yeah, that's right. So I'll call you when I'm done my contract. <laughs> he respected that, you know. You, 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 you know. So anyhow, that, that, it ended. And then that's when I called him up. And he said, hey, you want to go to Branson for three months? Of course, I've never heard of Branson, Branson, Missouri. Uh, he said, oh, you can go in there for three months. I'll put you in the show. All right, and uh, very. And uh, there's another story goes on to this. I'll you can edit it if you want. But yeah, I'm going to have to. You're you're talking so much. I'm going to have to edit some of this down. I got a lot. Hey, I'm I'm old man. I got lots of stuff. Hey, hey, but this is. I haven't asked. I still got to ask Linwood about his life. We'll wake him up in a minute. (laughs) Then he grab a coffee. So anyhow, at the at the time they were starting this Elvis stuff in Graceland. Yeah. Okay. They were. Uh, they weren't. They didn't have this such thing so known as ETA, which are Elvis Presley impersonators, um, at the time. And um, at the time, of course, you knew I loved Elvis. I did this little convention with a three-piece band. I wore a pink jacket, and I just, you know, I'm not posing being Elvis. I was just singing some Elvis songs. A friend of mine who ran the convention videotaped it, and she told me, she said, "I'm going to send this to Graceland." And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Go ahead, send it to them. You know, I, I was being smart, and I didn't think she didn't know anybody. Eventually, I got a phone call one time from a guy named Terry Mike Jeffries. 
he called me up on the phone. He says, this is Terry Mike Jeffries. I'm calling from uh, Memphis, Tennessee, Graceland. And I thought, what? He said, yeah, I, I worked with Priscilla Presley. I thought, wait a minute, this is a joke. He says, no, no, no. He says, I got a videotape here of you in a pink jacket at an Elvis convention. I said, yeah, that's me. He goes, well, your friend sent it to us, and we really like what you're doing, and we'd like you to come down here and perform at Graceland. Nice. And I thought, what? So at that same time, I just signed the contract with Legends in Concert. Mm. Ah. Branson. I called him up and I said, hey, um, I got an opportunity here to go to uh, Memphis in Graceland to sing for Elvis's birthday. They said no. <laughs> I said, unless <laughs> yeah. you find another dollars to replace you, you can't go. We won't let you out. Oh, my and goodness. I, and I'm, I'm thinking, this what an opportunity, you know? Yeah. You could have made Priscilla Presley uh, wife number three. You see? I could have been with I could have been with Priscilla. Anyways, that so that didn't happen, and that that's my that's that's my Elvis story of like one of being one of the first guys being officially asked to go to perform at Graceland for Elvis's birthday. Wow, very cool. So, Linwood, how about you? You are you were born and raised in uh, what part of Florida were you born and raised in? Well, I was born in Panama Canal Zone actually, because my dad was in the army. Oh wow. I was born on, you know, right. where the canal is. And uh, then, because Dad was in the Army, we traveled all around uh, Virginia, North Carolina, Indiana. Uh, and uh, we would always end up back in Florida because that's where my mom's parents were, generally. And uh, so, yeah, I know Florida. Not particularly in love with it because, you know, it's hot and there are bugs. Lots of bugs. <laughs> I mean, Big bugs, hurricanes, and all that jazz, and you know, it's just uh, yeah, little things, you know. But I'm here now because I've got property, so uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I was raised all around uh, basically, and ended up actually back in uh, Panama uh, towards the end of my dad's career. Uh, he, they all wanted, they wanted to go back because that was a a really nice uh, posting, I guess. And, uh, and it, sure. was, it was like being in small town America in the fifties. It had not changed. And this was, uh, this was during the seventies that we went back. So, uh, anyway, it was, it was, a uh, nice, I, uh, uh, but then we ended up in Florida. So, uh, did like two years in high school and, uh, uh, here, and then, uh, went to Florida state university for, um, theater. So that was basically a wasted degree. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what 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 got you into being an actor? Uh, was were there, were there other performers in your family, or did you kind of break the mold in that respect? Well, no. It was basically I saw when I was in Panama, I went to a, a little theater production of Anatomy of a Murder, and uh, they right. a, yeah, yeah, it's a great play. I mean, most folks may have seen the Jimmy Stewart movie, which is you know a, a very good film, but. Um, the stage play, you know, I was looking at it and I think I'd seen Camelot done, you know, uh, in little theater in Panama. And I kept thinking, well, you know, I could do that. And, uh, then when yeah. I came back to Florida, uh, had the chance to do it in high school. I had, I had gone out for football and I was uh, playing football, but man, I hated running laps and the theater was air conditioned. 
So <laughs> that was <looked to> <laughs> the place to be uh, to make my mark in high school is uh, do the theater. And, um, and of course, you know, there were girls in the theater. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the other big thing. So uh, <laughs> just from there, and I managed to get a, uh, a little scholarship uh, when I moved on to a junior college uh, for theater. And uh, then by then it was pretty much the course was set and I went to Florida state for the last two years and graduated there and uh, then didn't use my theater degree at all until universal studios opened up in 1999 in uh, Orlando, Florida. And I was doing a state job. I was a parole well, probation officer. And I said, I can't do this because I'm going to end up kicking the dog or, you know, killing myself. I don't know. I, I couldn't stand being a probation officer. I didn't know so, you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. Yeah. It was, I don't talk about it because it was no fun <laughs> anyway, especially when you're right, uh, right. the people in your neighborhood are on probation. Um but yeah, so they uh, they opened up, and uh, by the year two thousand, I uh, I auditioned for them, and uh, they uh, they hired me on as uh, an Oliver Hardy to begin with, and then they had an opening as a W C Field, so I I did that. I became the full time Fields eventually, and did Ollie on the weekends, and uh, then they said, okay, we need a Jake Blues too, because they wanted to go. They had like two regular guys and they needed a third. So I did that. And uh, eventually when they opened up another theme park, they needed uh, some walk around entertainment there. And I did that. I did a character called the storyteller and uh, also did John Hammond uh, at Jurassic Park. And that was kind of fun. Got to throw on a beard and and uh, affect a mid-Atlantic uh, Scottish accent. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. But uh, they were starting to. That's great. Uh, by uh, two thousand, they the writing was on the wall that they were going to start eliminating a lot of their street characters. Nobody knew who the heck uh, Laurel and Hardy were anymore. And W. C. Fields, uh, we had folks calling us uh, El Pinguino, like the penguin. <laughs> so they didn't recognize that's him. that's scary. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, you know, but you can see it's like, okay, well, they need to find, you know, they cut it down to like uh, Marilyn Monroe, uh, Charlie Chaplin, and uh, well, the Blues Brothers were still there, but we were uh, pretty deep in Blues Brothers. So, you know, I couldn't get a full time contract doing that. And I thought, well, it's time to yeah. go out to California, you know. So I went out to California and uh, ended up. Uh, beat my head against the wall for a while and uh, was in a couple of movies and uh, did a, Oh, did a commercial with Ellen DeGeneres uh, for a, what turned out to be a one month long uh, pennies campaign. It was a national commercial. So it, it made a bit, I made a bit of bank off of it, but uh, mine in fact premiered on the, uh, the Super Bowl of, I think 2012. Yeah. And, uh, so they ran for about a month and then uh, I guess people weren't going to pennies and they decided to uh, cancel the commercials. But, uh, uh, and then one fateful day uh, I was looking in backstage weekly and uh, was, they said they needed a, a big bopper. Somebody did. And it turned out to be John and the winter dance party. And uh, I showed up. 
uh, at the audition, I had a leopard jacket because I had done bopper, the big bopper, one time before. I had done a Chantilly uh, Lace and a few other uh, songs uh, in a rock and roll show. It, oh gosh, I can't even remember where it was. Uh, but I had the jacket, so I showed up in the jacket and uh, new Chantilly Lace. So that pretty much, uh, I guess, impressed John. <laughs> so. So yeah, yeah, it did. As Bopper's fill in, because uh, Bopper was uh, missing gigs because he had other gigs, and he also was not in good health. Uh, we're talking Jay Richardson. Uh, so anyway, I was the fill in guy, and uh, well, after uh, after Jay died, I uh, John offered it to me full time. Yes, I did. You've been a great addition and uh, super guy to travel with too. You're. Uh stand-up guy, so we all appreciate you. So that's, that's uh, interesting. I didn't know you uh, had studied uh, acting in high school and stuff. That's that's cool. Were your, uh, were your parents supportive of, of your uh, endeavors, or were they, kind of, were they kind of disappointed, like you didn't become a banker or an accountant or something like that? Uh, well, you know that I, I had never showed any interest in, in banking or accounting. Uh, you know, my, uh, my grades as far as... Uh, you know, math and things like that were always solid C's. Um, you know, I suppose yeah. that I, I maybe, uh, I think it was mentioned a couple of times, hey, do you want to become a teacher? And uh, no, that didn't appeal to me either. I was pretty much, let's do this, you know, let's do this acting thing. And uh, yeah, as it, you know, as it turns out, I graduated with an acting degree and I ended up doing everything but for about 10 years, you know. It takes a while to find uh your place in the entertainment business, you know, it took me a, till my early thirties till I was, you know, a friend of mine had found, uh, an ad in the backstage weekly. Like you found our ad, um, for this, um, it was the first theater that was doing the regional production of the Buddy Holly story at uh, Kansas city, American heartland theater. It was a theater owned by uh, Hallmark cards. And, uh, they were looking for, um, an actor that could sing and play guitar and sing Buddy Holly songs. <laughs> and I was like, I got to get this. I, I just knew, I think I was, uh, I was running my vending machine business at that time. I, I was, that was my survival job. Right. Right. And, you uh, pretty well at that, as you told me. Yeah, it, it, uh, it was a great, uh, you know, I think that running that business helped me running winter dance party because it, it gave me a, a good sense of what to do right in business and what to avoid. And, um, but, um, I just was kind of getting tired of it because I'd been doing it for like three or four years. And, sure. um, I, it wasn't why I had come, come to California. I came to California right. to, to be an actor. And, you know, I did some little roles here and there and some bad horror movies and, um, TV shows and whatnot. But, uh, I just saw this as an opportunity to do something I really wanted to do. And so I, I worked my butt off for like 48 hours. I, I read the script and had a friend read the scenes with me off camera. And then I, I knew the songs already. I, I was always a big Buddy Holly fan, so I knew all the songs. And then I just um, had him tape me doing the songs. And then I got cast off the tape, which was, you know, unusual in the business because normally you got to go through callbacks and all that kind of stuff. And right. um, now when you say tape, so was, you mean videotape or are we just talking audio tape or what? 
It was a videotape. Yeah, oh, okay. this was old VHS VHS days where there was no YouTube. Well, maybe YouTube had started by then. I I don't know. It was like 1994 or so. Yeah. yeah. And um, <laughs> um, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. No. <laughs> I remember FedExing the uh, videotape to them and just like going, God, this is going to cost me like $27. I hope this comes through, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, it was, uh, it was videotape and uh, just camera audio and all that, and it's nothing high tech about it, but um, it seemed to do the job, and sure. and and that kind of set me off on my niche and my what I really have been enjoying doing all these years is um, was uh, performing uh, Buddy Holly songs. I, you know, after I did that play around 1999, it was the 40th anniversary of the Winter Dance Party tour, and. I'm, a guy from Iowa named Dennis Farland called me and he said, uh, Hey, let's, I I've heard about you. Uh, heard you got good reviews in this, uh, buddy Holly musical. And, uh, I think you'd be the great guy for us to, uh, we're trying to put together a, um, a tour of the original ballrooms and do it in the original order that they did in 1999. I mean, like they did in 59. And, um, I said, well, what, wh- what are you talking about? And he says, well, we're going to do like, some karaoke and some maybe do a little historical slideshows and stuff. And I was like, no, that doesn't. Yeah. Why don't we do a real, that doesn't appeal to me. Why don't we do a real show? And, um, I can put together great guys from the, the play that I worked with performers. And then I got a great band with my brother on guitar and people I know in LA and whatnot. So he goes, really, you can put that together. I go, yeah. So, um, we did this grassroots. It was the first time ever we did the winter dance party tour and we did it in the exact same order that the uh, original tour went, which was pretty crazy because as you guys know, it's like eight or nine hour drives every other day and no breaks. And I got sick at the end of the tour. And, but the best thing about it was the people that showed up, like we had a thousand people in green Bay Mm. at the Riverside ballroom showed up on a Monday night, no less, you know? So People, people were asking us, are you coming back next year? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was just going to be like a, a one-time thing, you know? And I was like, uh, I, I guess we are, I guess we are coming back. And, um, and then it just, uh, transformed into what it is today with, uh, agents finding out about us and, um, venues, the word getting spread to venues. And, um, that first time that, that the first one that you did taking the tour, uh, doing the tour, uh, you did not have a Richie. You did not have a bopper, right? No, I did. I had, uh, I had Fernando Vega out of uh, San Diego. Oh, I'd done okay. the Buddy Holly. Yeah. I had done the Buddy Holly story musical down there and I used him. He's a, he's a really good singer. Doesn't oh, yeah. play guitar yeah. really, but, uh, um, he's, he's really good. He's a, he's, yeah, he's an actor. He's a great entertainer. And then, um, I had, um, I had, uh, I think his name was Paul Cruz as the big bopper. He was from the same okay. show. Okay. And, and then, uh, he, um, and then the big bopper's son contacted me the next year, literally. He called me up and said, uh, Hey, I heard good things about you guys. I'm the big bopper's son. I didn't even know the big bopper had a son. <laughs> you know, right. I didn't know too much about his whole previous history. And, um, he, uh, I thought maybe he just wanted to do one show or, or one tour. And he goes, no, I want to do it every year with you guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> I go, really? That'd be, that'd be great to have somebody from the actual bloodline do the show with us, you sure. know? So, 
So I was thrilled to get him in, on board. And um, I think he was with us till what, 2013. Yeah. And uh, so, um, so um, yeah, we had great memories with him and uh, fun times. <laughs> hey, Jim, <laughs> hey, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you remember driving? We were driving down the road in the highway and his phone would ring. Bopper's oh, yeah. phone. You know that he had that. He had that. I think he used T-Mobile. Yeah. And he had that Bopper's telephone. That, that ring. You <laughs> that know, ring, yeah. Every time it would ring, we'd say Bopper's telephone. Bopper's telephone. And it would be his bookie calling him. <laughs> it was his it was his football bookie calling. Yeah. That was awesome. It was <laughs> hilarious. He loved his he loved throwing down those little bets and his uh and then we'd always ask him, Well, did you win? Well, I think I did, but uh I think I lost on the other end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He always uh, he had him going both ways. It was funny. <laughs> oh man! The, you so, know, I got to tell you, when when we go to Green Bay, and especially at the surf too, the people loved him, didn't they? Oh yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. You know, he was a big bopper son. I mean, uh, it was a a piece of that history that uh, you're just not going to get anywhere. You know, yeah. so. Um, but I'll never forget you and I, Ray, going to visit him at the hospital on his last, the last week he was with us. That was, uh, that yeah. was tough. That was really tough. I man. was, uh, where was I? I was working somewhere and, and he was close by and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go, I had a weekend off. I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go visit him. So I went to the hospital and, um, you know, I told him to come to visit and uh, his wife was there and, and uh, I, you know, I hung out with him for a little bit and. And he looked at me, and he didn't look too good. You know, I I was rubbing his head, and I told him, I said, you know, you need to get out of this. So we can we got work to do. We got shows to do. We're waiting for you. And uh, he looked at me, and he he teared up, and he he looked at me, and he said, I'm scared. Yeah. You know, and I said, don't 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 think that way, man. You know, you got to stay positive. You'll be all right. And when I left him, I knew it was going to be the last time that I would ever see him alive. I know. And I remember and I, you, I remember I you texting, you. I remember you texting me or calling me and saying, John, I don't think it's, I think it's 50, 50, whether he's going to, I just, I just wouldn't, I didn't, I didn't want to believe it. No, I, know. I remember, I, know. I remember I just you. ignoring, I remember just ignoring what you were saying. I was just kind of like, no, no, no. He's, he remember, cause he would always get sick prior. Mm-hmm. He would always be go, going into the hospital prior to this and well, he'd always come out. Yeah, but he would, yeah. And he would always come out fine though. So I was like, no, this is just another time where he's going to be fine mm-hmm. but uh it was uh no, yeah he'd it was go nothing. in what one day and two days later come out well i got another stint put in so i'm good to go yeah yeah it's actually yeah. i just thought that was going to be the case but then when yeah. i visited him you told me like you you know you got to go visit him john this could be it so yeah, i i, I, I went to visit him and uh I had I, I same reaction when I left. I was just like, "This is uh, this is the last time I'm ever going to see him." So it was it was yeah. hard. It was really hard. You don't want to think about that and accept it, you know. But it's it's yeah, it's life. It's reality, you know. It's, Patty it's, was Patty was so strong. It was she was amazing as the whole family was. But um, it was um, it was hard. Yeah. yeah, you know, I go wow. through on my computer. You know, I've always, you know me, I'm always videotaping little clips here and little clips there and stuff. And and sometimes when I find stuff, I'll I'll throw it on my phone and, and send it off to you. 
just so we yeah. can look at it. And have a <laughs> I know it's always funny. Yeah, <laughs> funny see some old footage. He loved to he loved to cuss at us too. It was funny. Oh, all the time, <laughs> all the time, in a loving in a loving way. <laughs> oh, flipping us, you know, because I sat in the back seat like I always do, and I let him sit in the front like Linwood yeah. does too. You know, so um, and you know, and I would say little stupid things to him just to get him going. He'd flip me off half the time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was funny. Yeah. F you, Jagru. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was oh, it's funny. He was a trip that one. Yeah. So. Well, we've uh, we've had the. Uh, I guess Mike Acosta has been with us from pretty much day one. Ed came along in two thousand, and uh, well, we've had like three different drummers, I guess, over the years. But um, the band has been really um, kind of our secret weapon because um, they really. Uh, really get the music across for us. They really support us well. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, those guys, those boys, they don't get enough credit. Um, no. But, you know, they are a big part of the show too, you know, so. For sure. So you guys excited? Uh, we got, uh, finally, we've got a show coming up December 4th at Pala Casino in uh, Pala, yeah. California. <laughs> Do you think it's going to actually happen? <laughs> That's why I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. It was a tribal casino, so they're not necessarily following the same lockdown rules that California is. Uh, Right. All I know is they have good noodles there. So. Oh yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, that's my favorite thing. You know, when we go down the road, I'm always looking for a Thai place, right? Thai food and uh, and yeah, Thai food and good coffee. Yeah. Hot sauce. And pickles. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, pickles. Yeah. Ray's got to have his pickles. And thanks to Linwood, uh, and some, and keeping me supplied when we get on the road. So, thanks, Lenny. I appreciate it. Sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, John sent me some. John sent me some pickles for my birthday. I just finished them, but I kept the sauce from it, the juice, you know. Yeah. I, I just keep replacing and putting other stuff in there because it tastes so good. Well, I I, and, uh, I sent that to both of you guys, the peppers and the pickles, but I guess Linwood took off the next day. So um, what? Sorry about that, Linwood. What? <laughs> so it's sitting yeah. at his apartment in uh, oh, California. Oh, you mean at uh, Ray's place? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you were at Ray's, I, I, you both had the birthday like next door to each other. So yeah, I sent you guys some pickles and some peppers, and um, but I, I didn't realize you were taking off the next day. So. Mm. <laughs> Plans, well, plans. Okay. I'm sure Ray didn't let him go to waste. You're not saving him for me, are you? Oh no. I know. <laughs> they're they're all they're gone, buddy. I still have the bags of peppers though. I haven't I haven't got into those yet. Because of course I grew my own peppers uh this summer because you know we weren't working so I could be a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> Next yeah, year's well. gonna be good. I'm gonna pull out some old rose bushes in the back and put up some more pots and just make some more uh, Grow some more stuff, you know. It's 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 kind of neat when you can just when you're cooking and you just go out in the back and grab what you need. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, you know, there's no insecticides on it, and it's it's uh it's all fresh and clean and everything. So. Very nice, very nice. Well, is there anything else uh, we haven't covered? Uh, no, except we got a few more years in us, right? I mean, we can uh, if the COVID everything uh, COVID thing blows over, we are ready to hit the road again, right? We've got a busy schedule, but um, I hope uh, I hope this flu season and uh, you know the virus doesn't get worse or something because uh, people are just going to stay indoors the whole winter, you know. And they so don't want should... to. That's the thing. You know, I know. They, I know. People are tired of staying home as we are. 
you know. Yeah, I'm really tired of staying at home, believe me. But, John, um, John, you just got an album done, right? A CD? Yeah, I uh, just finally got this album done. I did most of the uh, mixing and mastering uh, during this uh, lockdown time, so that was great. Um, I probably couldn't have done that when I was on the road, of course, but um, but now I feel a little lost since it's done. I'm like, what do I do now? I guess I just work on the next album, right? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've been doing some stuff too. I'm just... Um... I just, I'm not in the mood. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to get motivated to. every day uh, with this much time on your hands. It yeah. seems to be uh, a little tough, but um, yeah, get I don't up, know. We'll sit out with my coffee and look outside. And it's, it's starting to cool down over here a little bit in the morning, at nighttime too. Oh. During the day, it's beautiful, you know? Yeah. But, uh, you know, I get up and look outside and thinking, all right, what do I do now? Hmm. Right. <laughs> we'll clean something out or something, you know? Wash our Porsches. We all have Porsches. We yeah. got to talk about this. How did we all end up with Porsches? This is crazy. I buy a Porsche, uh, what? What was it? Five years ago? Four years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, five. No, more than that, John. It's been more than that. Has it really? Yeah, because um, I've been divorced now for six years. I think it's coming up to six years. And here's the thing. After uh, I've got my divorce, we worked and I put some money aside. And I thought to myself, you know, John has a Porsche, and that's a nice-looking car. I have never, ever in my lifetime, being a musician, have owned a car, an official car for myself, like a sport, let alone a sports car. I'm not a big right. car guy, as you guys know, you know. So I, um, I thought, you know what? As a present to myself, I'm going to buy myself something because I'm always, you know, buying stuff for the kids or the family or the in-laws, sure. whatever, whatever, you know the whole story. And uh, so I thought, I'm just going to buy myself um, a present. So I thought, well, let me look at the Porsche. I looked at it and saw one, and I thought, well, John's got a Porsche. I'm going to get one, too. Well, I'm, I'll buy myself a little present, you know? So, nice. And and it's kind of like my baby. I adore it. I, you know, clean it up. And it's my it's my own little thing. And I put my son's name in it. I called him up and I said, look, it, I just bought a car and I put your name on it. And he totally freaked out. He said, what? <laughs> so I said, if anything happens, just come here and take the car. It's, it's in your name. So. <laughs> so, Well, I always wanted a convertible uh, living in California. So um, I saw this little used Boxster for sale and I just had to get it because, um, um, well, it was a great deal. And it was, it, was, it was my favorite color. It's like this dark blue with this tanned leather interior and um i just loved it so i had to get it and it was the same thing like i had just had it i was like ah i'll spoil myself and get something because I, I never buy myself anything, you know right but right. Uh, and then linwood you just recently bought one as well it's hilarious what where, uh how did that happen well uh i had you know i had bought a corvette uh years ago i guess about five years ago i, I think i got it before you got your um, your box. Porsche. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because I, it was the same thing as Ray said, it's, uh, you know, I didn't have anything frivolous and crazy like that. And, um, what with, uh, Bopper being sick and everything, it kind of brought it home. It's like, well, you know, we're only here a limited time. Indulge yourself. if You got the money, right? Yeah, sure. And, um, so anyway, so I had the Corvette and I'd pretty much fixed that up so that it is a dependable, wonderful car. 
And uh, then when I got here to Florida, uh, it had always, you know, I, I enjoyed riding around in your car, John. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I started looking at Boxsters. And I thought, well, that would be a good yeah. thing to get into. That looks like fun, you know, you to get one with a, a, a manual transmission and buzz up and down the roads. So that would be great. And I was looking around and I happened on this, um, this one that was up in Tampa that was not a Boxster. It was, a, a you know, a 911 and it was yellow. Career, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, looked at it and I had driven some Boxsters and they were great drives. You know, there's, there's nothing like a Porsche, I guess, Porsche. And, uh, I went to drive this guy's nine one one, and it cost a, you know a little bit more than a Boxster certainly. Uh, yeah, but it was it was wonderful, and he had done some things to it to you know open the engine up a little, and uh, yeah, I just did something stupid and bought the thing. You know, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> oh, you gotta, you gotta enjoy. It. They're great. Yeah, my dogs love it too, man. We get out. I love it. I feel like I feel like James. Out. I feel like James Dean every time I get in that thing and drive it up mm. in the Hollywood Hills or Mulholland Drive. I just feel like uh, <laughs> yeah, well, don't be feeling around there like he did too. So I feel like a little kid, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's great, yeah. Love but it. But no, you you hit on a good thing, Linwood. It's like we have a limited time, so uh, you might as well enjoy it while you can, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's that's it. And I've actually managed to sell some cars while I'm been here so well, you did? it, it doesn't oh, good. like a used car lot anymore yeah, yeah. i got some guitars for sale too this <laughs> oh, pandemic, boy, do this pandemic keeps going i'm gonna have to start selling everything i have to sell the porsche too <laughs> yeah we'll be selling everything we have all right guys well i think uh i think that's we're running out of time a little bit but um okay. is there anything anything else we wanted to say uh how great our fans are and we appreciate their support all these years they yeah, we, uh, we can't wait to get back out on the road and see you guys and say hello to you again. Just hang in there. Uh, yeah, hang know. in there. And um, we appreciate all the uh, emails and letters and uh, talking to us on Facebook. Um, sh- yep. Shout outs on Facebook. You can uh, you can uh, find Linwood on Facebook. Uh, is it just Linwood Sasser? Yeah. It's, Linwood? yeah. <laughs> no imagination there. Yes. And, and then uh, Ray's is Stingray Anthony, I believe. Is that right, Ray? I think so, yeah. Okay. I don't even and know then, what it is anymore. <laughs> I think mine is John Mueller Music. So uh, on Facebook, if you want to find me there. It's been great talking to you guys. I I, I, I uh, was thinking the other day, I was like, I got to get the guys on the podcast. What, what the heck have I been waiting for? <laughs> well, so uh, maybe right. we'll do another one. Uh, we'll do another one uh, sometime. Maybe when we're back on the road touring or something that would be fun to do one kind of live right there on the road yeah oh, sure yeah it's called the after pandemic show yeah <laughs> post post pandemic show <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we'll love you and uh great talking and um we'll uh we'll see you on december 4th i hope <laughs> yes yes, Cross, yes crossing fingers good all right love you guys i'll talk love to you guys uh, love you see too. you soon see ya bye 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 there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Linwood Sasser and Ray Anthony of the Winter Dance Party Show. I'm John Mueller, and we hope to see you soon out there on the road doing shows again like normal. Make sure you check our schedule out at winterdanceparty.com. And in the meantime, stay safe out there, kids, and we'll see you on down the line.
see you.